battles of the page and the past. This is Victorical. Hey everybody, and welcome to Victorical. I'm Bailey, and I'm here with Amac and Petey. What's going on? Oi, oi. We're coming to you from the Rat King Recording Studios. We just got our official poster up from the gift exchange this year, and we got a rug, so things are coming along in here. A nice green rug. This place is getting pretty legit, to be yeah. honest. It, it feels comfortable to be here. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'd love to knock that wall out and make it a little bit bigger, but... Your it luck, I'm telling you, it'd be a load-bearing wall and this whole thing would come down. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. Just taking a sawzall to the side, uh-huh. yeah. just trying to cut through cut through all the beams. Yeah, yeah that's where know. all the electrical is or something yeah, like that. Yeah, bad juju. <laughs> well, before we get into the episode, I'd like to take a minute to explain what the show's going to be about and what you, the listener, can expect to hear. It is our first episode after all, so it might be nice to know what you're investing your time in. We are going to be covering warfare and battles, both fictional and historical. We're going to take you from the murky depths of Moria to the frozen forests of the Ardennes, and everywhere in between. We'll be covering tactics, weapons, who won the battle, and how they did it. Each week, we'll be jumping around between fictional and historical, so if you don't like this week's episode, come back next time, and we might be covering a topic you might find more interesting. You can also expect a healthy healthy dose of bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of information coming right from the ass. And we all have full-time jobs, so our research is, you know, about as good as we can do. Yeah. So don't be, uh, you know, fact-checking us too much. We'll do it ourselves. Actually, you know what? If you'd like to fact-check us, please do. Send in the actual things we're saying that are incorrect, and we will read them on the air. And we will get an email for you to send that to at some point. Mm -hmm. When people start listening. Send it to your friends, too. We're by no means experts. Not even slightly. (laughs) Not even a little bit. Peterman is a uh, high school history buff, though. Definitely the closest thing we have to an expert. I mean, I teach history. I'm not mm. an expert by any means. <laughs> you're I a, like he's a he's a liker of history. <laughs> We've listened to you during Jeopardy, though. You're yeah. pretty uh, you're pretty skilled with. Uh, I know a bunch of bullshit. Hey, again, group expert. Maybe not a true expert, but uh, comparative. You're an expert. Uh, we are some friends that met in college, and we are still staying in contact, so we can tolerate each other just that close. much. Just just dear old friends. But we have done a lot of research over the last couple oh, of weeks, more than I care to admit. More than any other subject I've probably done since college. It's been, exci- it's been enjoyable, though. Yeah, it's a fun subject matter. It, it really is. And the first subject, John? Stalingrad. <laughs> I think Amac threw this one out in the initial I discussions. Yeah. Yeah. I threw it out not knowing how deep it really was. I just kind of threw it out there. I didn't realize it was uh, one of the longer battles. Russian rivers run time. deep, son. Mm-hmm. So we're into it now, though, so yeah. there's no backing out. <laughs> and we did not realize how how much there was to unpack about Stalingrad. <laughs> yeah. It's not a, not an easy first episode, but we're going to tackle it. We're going to do it. It's a battle in the Soviet Union during World War II. Fucking easy. That mm. lasts m- months. <laughs> months. And there's multi- multiple parts and facets and cultural influences and, you know. There's a lot of players on this stage. 
Yeah. That you don't know who they are. And turns out, hard names. <laughs> a lot of hard mm-hmm. names. Yeah, won't be using a ton of names, probably. That's my understanding. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go high level concepts when it comes to folks. And we're gonna so. kind of give you like a you know your common man's uh take on it. We're not gonna give you the like and then this general read this group mm, to nope. this part. Because we're not trying to put yeah. you to sleep. We're trying nope. to entertain the people here. Mm-hmm. And give you some facts. To, we're not trying to church it up here. It's <laughs> far from church here. All right. This is just a bunch of guys sitting around talking about people killing each other. That's literally what we wanted to talk about. So that's that's it. In case you know absolutely nothing about the battle in Stalingrad, it was the largest battle of World War II and one of the largest and bloodiest battles in the history of warfare. Roughly 2 million de- deaths during the battle uh, between Russians and Axis troops. Numbers are kind of hard to nail down. It seems like there's a lot of rough numbers due to seems like nobody really tracked it that tight or yeah. if they did they then spun it however they want so there's not a lot of uh real accurate numbers. exactly there was no good answers so it was mm-hmm. like oh how many people died over a million all uh fucking all of them yeah let's mm-hmm. just not uh publish that i mean really it's because this is a it's a bigger part of a massive turning point in terms of world war ii in general but particularly the eastern front because of the dire circumstances that this battle is going to have for Germany in particular and for the Soviets really moving from chumps that have been getting their asses handed to them for better part of a year and a half to really going on the offensive and fucking some people up. Yeah. Because as Americans, let's be honest here, <clears throat> we don't know about the Eastern Front. No. Yeah, and that's, a, that's another reason I feel like, AMAC, you suggested this, was because as, as Americans, we don't hear a lot about much of this stuff, much of the Soviet conflict and there's a lot of back-to-back world war ii champs people out there yeah they like to think mm-hmm. that the united states is responsible for this turns out not entirely yeah true it's yeah. not the case we couldn't have done it without <clears throat> i Russia's would say the united states might even be a tertiary figure in the war it's very fair yeah Especially, i don't know that i know what tertiary means so you could explain that for the, the folks at home would be like in the third slot you're not oh, secondary you're tertiary. tertiary i don't know what the four what the if you're in the fourth slot, it would be. Tertiary. Why do you think they went with tertiary instead of thirdiary? Tertiary. Tertiary. Honestly, tertiary sounds pretty good. I, I think that we'll go with that. Yeah. Well, before we get into too much of it, let's cover Stalingrad and just give a, a brief overview of the city itself, where it gained its name and significance. So Stalingrad used to be Saritsyn. It was a city in the Russian Civil War, right? That's right. And when did the Russian Civil War take place, gentlemen? Come on. Give it to me. In the Early 1900s, uh, 1930s, 10s, and 20s. 1918. 1918, it was already over. Damn it. 10s. 1905. 15, 15, 16. Okay. 15, right around the we time. We were close. 16, yeah. We were in the ballpark. So 16 is when it really starts to heat it up. It only lasted two years? It's It takes place during the middle of World War One. Really? Yep. I thought it was a World a War One itself affair. is one of the major factors in the war breaking out in the first place because of the ineptitude of Tsar Nicholas II and the Russian royal family. The hmm. What was that guy's name that was like kind of buddies with the... Goy Rasputin, man. Yeah, Rasputin. That'd be a cool Rasputin. one to talk about. Yeah. Rasputin's mm-hmm. a little cunt. Slinging it around. Slinging that dick. <laughs> Fucking the Tsarina, yep. if, if you can believe some of the rumors. Wait, is that what you would call a female Tsar? She's the Tsar's wife. Oh. Tsarina. That's hmm. a fun name. Queen. The Queen. Okay, didn't know that. See, that's the kind of tidbits you get here. Yeah, you get a little little additive. So during the Russian Civil War, Stalin did a lot of the defend, uh, helped with the defense of Tsaritsyn. 
mm-hmm. keep it from the whites, correct? Yeah, he was a he was one of the local uh communist part communist party officers for the region. And he really took a took a big hand in not really fighting himself. It's it's not like Joseph Stalin's not this like great warrior by any means or anything like that, but he was good at playing the game. He's kind of like a logistics guy. Yeah, he's yeah. a politician, honestly, yeah. more than anything else. And he's a stone cold son of a bitch. The mustache like that, it's hard oh, to do fighting. A, I mean, it's a dynamite mustache. <laughs> weighs his head down God so much. God damn, it's it good. is so perfectly angled. Mm-hmm. Not a not a fucking whisker out of out of space. Just a righteous womb broom. <laughs> a womb broom. <laughs> Hell of a mustache term. So Stalin helped with the defense of Saritsyn, and it became a big. It got renamed Stalingrad after after the yeah, Russian Civil named War. Named it after himself, and like even his name in general. After he st- came to power, correct? Stalin's not his actual name. If What's I his re- real name? I forget it off the top like of my Trump? head. Like <laughs> <laughs> I forget it off the top of my head, but Stalin literally means man of steel. Yeah, yeah. It's a good name if you're going to rename yourself. Yeah. So Stalingrad had a lot of significance to Stalin himself. Yes. Very important to. It's where he cut his teeth, effectively. Right. Made his bones. Also has a very significant location in the region. Absolutely. Right. So it's Being not. Being located right on the Volga River, mm-hmm. it's a major transportation and trade hub. And during World War II, it's one of the most important industrial cities in. In, in the Russia. Soviet Union. Yeah, a lot of tank factories yeah. there. And they have a munitions factory, a tank factory, and there was another one that I can't think of off the top of my head. And if you don't know where it is, it's kind of due east of Ukraine, um, right on the Volga River, just east of the Don River. Which, if you're listening to this and you can think of where Ukraine yeah. is, fair play. <laughs> if you know where that is. Yeah. I, and- I would go out on a limb and say, if you take a blank map, no lines of mm-hmm. Europe, Eight out of ten Americans don't know where the fuck the no. Ukraine is. It'd be a goddamn miracle if I got it right. <laughs> it would have been a pure guess. Pre pre doing any research about this, I saw something on Reddit guess. that was like asking people where Iran was, asking Americans where Iran was, and like thirteen points. It was like they tested like their finger points on a map. Thirteen of the points were just in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Iran is much larger than. <clears throat> I like thought it was it's huge. A it's a, big it's a very large country. Yeah, big country. A lot of shit going on in Iran. Uh, admitting that they shot down a plane. <laughs> yeah, fucking Yeesh. idiots. Yeah, yeah. Yikes. Especially they kind of had to go back. They were like, no, no, we didn't. Well, we might have done that. Yeah. All right, we may have done that. <laughs> we didn't know it was gonna blow everything to smithereens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that got uh, that went got out of hand. Yeah. Remember, we were talking about it last week, like, oh, it might have been them, and then like yeah. the next day, it was like, Ooh, it is, it was them. <laughs> oh shit! To be fair, I think everybody knew it was them, right? <laughs> Just kind of, are you gonna tell the truth? Yeah, are you gonna be honest with them for a second. <laughs> Gotta call a spade a spade. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, at this point, we should probably do a brief overview of. World War II up to this point, or at least yeah. Barbarossa in the Eastern Front. Sure. So, so Petey, take it away. I mean, <clears throat> everybody has a pretty general understanding of World War II. Nazis bad, you know, America good, most Americans. I mean, for most people, that's about as far as it goes for them. But they really don't understand how we got to the point we were at in the first place. And it all revolves around one dude, and that's fucking Adolf Hitler. Because Adolf Hitler is a cunt. A real cunt. You know? You ask most people when World War II began, like when I ask my students that, if they're good, they know when the United States got into the conflict. 
but they don't understand that we didn't get into it until two Wait. years after it had already started. Mm-hmm. It's like, kind of fucked up. Yeah, 1939, and it all revolves around Adolf Hitler's aggression in Europe and trying to expand the amount of territory controlled by the Germans. Now, before Hitler started on this big, you know, cavalcade of doing dumb shit, he decided to make a pact with the Soviet Union and Stalin in August of 1939. And it's called the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact, which I'm sure that means fucking nothing to most people. Mm-hmm. But it's the German-Soviet non-aggression pact. And it's pretty simple. Basically, it guarantees, pe- guarantees peace between the two parties. Um, neither government would ally or aid any enemy of the other. And it secretly defines the borders of the Soviet and German sphere of influence in Eastern Europe. So the whole plan was, we're going to launch this you know, coordinated, partnered expansion into Europe, and we're not going to attack each other. I'm so, on your side, you're on my side. So where, where does the Russian and German... So d- Russian has influence over Ukraine, correct? Right. And mm-hmm. basically, Germany gets Poland and Hungary. So basically, the big, the big breakdown is trying to shore up between Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, and Finland. Who gets what? More or less. Hmm. So Soviet expansion into Finland, the Winter War in 33, 34, maybe a little bit later. But basically, it was trying to draw a big squiggly line down and say, this is yours, this is mine. Everybody gets a little bit of something, everybody's happy. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, us, we've talked about it before. It's arguable that Joseph Stalin's a bigger cunt than Adolf Hitler was. Yeah, he starved out like millions of his people (laughs) before even the Germans started... uh invading so i mean yeah he's responsible for the deaths of more people than adolf hitler most people don't yeah. even think about because because yeah. stalin started like a massive repopulation of his people right like the, mm-hmm. it's getting the, out there and fucking like rabbits to make yep. lots of soldiers lots of good little uh <laughs> like dogs you yeah just, you pen two people up together and they breed each other <laughs> and, i mean they were just trying to build the troops mm-hmm. so build the people out there making food it's the same megalomania shit that most communist countries have pulled across history. I mean, like China, Mao Zedong, like the Great Leap Forward. Like, we're going to stop growing all this food and you're just going to start doing technology. And then all these fucking people die of starvation because there's not enough food. Yeah. It's the same concept. There's how you need to eat if there's a lot of people. It's just a bunch of dumb shit. Okay? Yep. Takes a lot of rice to feed the Chinese. A lot of rice. Yeah. In the official beginning of World War II, most people tie it to one single event and that's the 1939 invasion of poland by germany in september 39 germany invades poland after france and great britain have told them over like they've basically appeased hitler over and over and over again across the past two years and he's he keeps telling them no no i just i get this last piece and i'll be good i'm happy that's it there's a really interesting piece in malcolm gladwell's book about all the leaders going to meet with uh, Adolf Hitler. Neville Chamberlain. Yeah, and him basically just like just pulls the wool over their no, eyes. No, no, we're good. No, 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 no. We're not doing any. Those those tanks we're building. Those are just those are not anticipatory tanks. They're just preventative <laughs> tanks. <laughs> They're just tanks that we're gonna use to defend our borders. Yeah, yeah. And all the other countries are going. Hmm. But you're not supposed to do that. The treaty you signed no. at Versailles then the World War One said you're not supposed to do any of this shit. And they're going. Well, I mean. How how many tanks can we build? Not that many tanks. There's a, a documentary on Netflix about uh, Age of Tanks. There's one that covers 
uh, Germany post World War One when they're like not supposed to be building all these tanks mm. and they start just building like small car frames with like they they put like cardboard cutouts of tanks on them essentially and they do all this um what do you call it like uh staging so they learn tank where uh warfare and how to like maneuver them properly mm-hmm. and then they start building tanks in russia they make a deal with russia to start building tanks there uh, cheeky yeah huh. same thing with like their air force like they weren't allowed to have an air force or x amount of planes so they started glider clubs to train pilots to actually fly planes. <laughs> We're going to give you all the tactics. You're not going to have the tools yet, but when you do have the tools, you're set. No, no, it's a glider. See, we take <laughs> off from the ground. Yeah. Just have a, it doesn't have an engine. We're good. Yeah, that's the, yeah. That's the, the deal breaker, right? Exactly. So, Soviet Union and Germany both invade Poland at the same time. And this is what effectively begins World War II. Because everybody's like, oh, the Soviets were our allies in World War II. It was all good. At the start. No, they fucking weren't. Mm-hmm. The United States is sitting across the Atlantic Ocean looking across, like, with their hand up on their head going, not my problem. Yep. Nope. I'm going to sit over here. I got my shit. You got your shit. We're just going to sell you a bunch of stuff and make a bunch of money. That's our whole thing. It's weird to think of a time when America wasn't uh, getting involved with wars immediately. Oh, you're like... saying we're not the world's police force? <laughs> yeah. Back or... when we were just kind of, like, good with just chill, sitting back and making a buck. Chilling Taking in the care cut. of our own shit. Yeah. yeah. So what's your plan here? To make money off yeah. both sides. We're not doing real great here. I don't know if you guys realize that. A little <laughs> cash influx wouldn't hurt us. Yeah. 39, it's going bad. Yeah. Still not great. I mean, shit, World War II bust us out of the fucking Great Depression. Mm-hmm. So their pact between those two countries effectively ends on June 22nd, 1941, when Adolf Hitler decides to fuck Stalin right in the can. And invade the Soviet Union. I heard Union. it was a good time, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I heard Stalin kind of liked it. He seems like a dude who just had like a... Maybe he was repressed sexually. Maybe that's what the whole thing maybe was. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe he was gay. I'm caught. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> yeah. Joseph Stalin, gay as fuck. Stalin and Hitler scorned lovers. Maybe they had a thing. Didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna fuck on me? <laughs> so this leads us directly into the, you know... The groundwork being laid for the conflict that we're talking about, and that is Operation Barbarossa, which is the Axis invasion of the Soviet Union. It always makes me think of the spray, uh, the shaving Barbasol. cream. Yeah. Barbasol. Barbasol. I was like, Operation Shaving Cream. All right. It's going down. Did your old man use Barbasol? <laughs> I think so, oh, Kirk, yeah. Kirk was a Barbasol yeah. man. Had like the green top. and Yep. yep. You know. that, was, oh, that was the fancy stuff. That had like the There's aloe vera. menthol in it or aloe vera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so June 22nd, 1941... The Germans, completely catching the Soviets unaware, had no idea that it was going to happen. They invade the Soviet Union with the express goal of being, fuck it all up. That's really it. And the whole thing comes about because Hitler just distrusts Stalin and doesn't really know what Stalin's endgame is or what he's planning on. So he thinks that Stalin is planning to double-cross him, so he double-crosses him first. There's just signs of, like, a not-stable person. Like... Mm -hmm. I don't trust this guy so much that I'm going to be the one to fuck him. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're plotting a double double cross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if there's one thing that Hitler's known for, it's for being a very stable, calm individual. Oh, yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah. If anything's known. Is there him. any fact to the fact that he had, like, uh, some kind of venereal disease? Some kind of, like, really. Like, wrong... like uh, syphilis? Yeah, something like that. Does I've it, never it, heard never anything like that, but it's a fact for sure that that motherfucker took uh, amphetamine. 
Oh. There's video of that. Have you ever seen that before? There's video of him at the Olympics in 33, mm-hmm. like held in Nazi Germany, and he's fucking sitting there rocking yeah, back yeah, and yeah. forth, just seen that. tweaking off of his ass That's on That's the guy Infinity. you want to be running the show. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. making good decisions. I mean, hell, we got to. President right now is taking a bunch of fucking shit. Have you heard that before? The Trump what, takes taking like, a uh, bunch of like Adderall and shit. Yeah, stuff like yeah. that to stay well, that's awake. That's good. I'd rather they just take cocaine. Like get it out of the way. Yeah. Stop beating around the bush. Just some nice pure cocaine. Hold the fentanyl. You'll be good, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <clears throat> so effectively, I mean, the the German invasion of the Soviet Union is one of the largest invasions in world history in the history of warfare. So it's three massive army groups. You have Army Group North, Army Group Central, and Army Group South. Army Group South is the one that we're going to be focusing on because that's the one that leads to the Battle of Stalingrad. Gotcha. But the Germans invade with 150 divisions of men. So a division is like 10 to 20,000 soldiers each. It's a lot of soldiers. So almost 3 million soldiers invade the Soviet Union. It's crazy. You don't even think that there's that many people in Germany. No. Like, what is the total population? Did anybody happen to check the total population of nope. Germany? Did not do we so. We didn't do that number. We yes. didn't run that number. Hmm. But that is a question, because Russia is, you know, they have a shit ton of people. and uh, it Germany's seems like... the second largest country in Europe, I want to say, behind Russia. Is it? I'm pretty sure. Huh. I mean, they Fact got a, pr- they got a pretty, one, large, pretty large population. But I mean, it's a big continent compared to a uh, continent country. Yeah. It's not a continent. So today's German population is 85 million. But I mean, you got to think it's probably 30% higher than it was then. So you're probably looking at 60. Where'd you get that 30%? That was a quick that's, number. That's right, right out of my ass. It <laughs> came right out of my ass. I mean, I believed it. I'm but just I mean, curious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're looking at maybe 60, between 55 and 60 million. Jesus. So you're looking, they, they march like what? Sitting two to three to six percent of their population into. Approximately five to six percent of their population. That sounds like a good number. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm count I'm, it. Put that shit down. Plus, Pull. they had a lot of really good tanks. Yeah, had a lot of good tanks. Uh, three thousand tanks. Yep. Yeah, three thousand tanks, seven thousand artillery pieces, twenty five hundred aircraft, and the all the German forces are uh, augmented by thirty divisions of Finnish and Romanian soldiers. Damn, they're gonna meet their uh, maker. Yeah, it's it's doesn't gonna, go well for them. It goes down the shitter real quick. Yeah, yeah. they regret that uh, that march, and it's going to be a recurring theme across this uh, series of episodes. Turns out Hitler underestimates Stalin. Hmm. Basically, the Germans got it right. They thought that the Soviets would only be able to raise 150 divisions to actually meet the German assault. But they thought that they'd only bring it, be able to bring up another 50 divisions eventually to reinforce Soviet troops. Um, actually, 200 divisions are brought up um, to make it a total of 350 divisions of men. So we're talking ballpark five to six million Soviet soldiers. It's good yeah. math. Math solid. <laughs> the whole idea behind this whole thing was the Soviet regime is going to collapse when the Germans invade because the Germans were this invading army that's coming in to remove communism and we're going to be the good guys mm-hmm. except they weren't <laughs> to be fair they hadn't really been opposed at all up until that point no, they, they kind of walked through Poland and walked through France they, they own it yeah. they own all of it Spain's mm-hmm. not involved in, in the war but for the most part between Germany and their allies in Italy they control fucking Europe all of it yeah. The only people holding out in the West 
or Great Britain. Yeah, it's only because there's a large body of water and they just bomb the shit out of them. And they're yeah. like, ah, the blitz is, is not really been good worth to them. going over there. But they were planning on invading. That yeah. was the whole thing. They were hoping. Imagine to... if Germany had invaded, like, oh, God, if they invaded the UK, Britain, oh, they got in there. Pretty sure they'd have walked through Britain too, right? Yeah, Ger- British military was no joke. Hmm. The whole thing, the reason they hadn't already done it is because of Great Britain's power at sea still. Germany's navy was legit, legit. But Great Britain still controlled the English Channel. If you're going to invade, you got to do go that first. The, I mean, yeah. you couldn't just fly in and airdrop in troops. It wouldn't be enough people. Hmm. It turns out the British, I feel like they kind of get a bad rap. Like, not as bad as France does. No. Yeah. But they kind of have this, oh, we're England and we're nice and we mm-hmm. just kind of hang out. Those bastards are fucking mean when it yeah. comes to war. Dude, you got to be mean if you don't brush your teeth. And that's something that <laughs> for sure doesn't happen with the British. I mean... In this room, you're the only one that's been to England, so you're the only one that has firsthand, you know. Yeah, when I, of that I went shit. to England. I went to Churchill's bunker. Actually, how cool it was, was pretty, that? It was pretty cool. Did you walk cool. through any more of the Imperial uh, Museum? No, no. I went exclusively to watch a soccer match. In fact, I don't think I'll ever go back to London and do anything in the city other than watch a soccer match. But straight to Tottenham. Compl- yeah, that's a lots well, of a side story. <laughs> no, unrelated to Stalin. If you wanted to go, I I would love to go to England. Yeah. It's on my list. I would go to Ireland and Scotland. Yeah. But I don't really... Or if I was were to go to England, I would fly to London and drive up through, like, the smaller... Like, the small towns in Europe are, are awesome. Like, they're, they all have their own, like, unique character and their I've, old architecture. And I've only been to Italy, but I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Like, the big cities are fucking cool because of the history and shit, but the little ones are where all the, like... Yeah. Real... It's, I mean, it sounds so fucking lame. It's where all the real people are at. Yeah. Yeah, and like the the local pubs and stuff are great. I mean, they're they're so much better. Even the smaller pubs in in London are, you know, some of the boroughs and stuff are, are pretty fun. But anyways, so like I said, the Germans believe that the Soviet regime is going to fall really quickly because Germany's this invading army that are a bunch of liberators. In actuality, um, they did not portray themselves as a liberating army. They were a conquering army that was coming in to enslave. The Slavic populations that they liberated. Yeah, they did not have a good people. They're a good view of uh, Russian people. They're no. Lesser than the Slavs. They did not. And there was the whole fucking executing all the Jewish populations that they came across. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, not a good a, luck. A real downer. So, so basically, they fucked themselves over by making Soviet resolve never higher. It was never right. higher than it was when like they Like when invaded. they first came in, they. Like Ukraine, a lot of Ukrainian people kind of switched sides and went over to the the German mm-hmm. side and fought against Russians. And there's a quote, Walter Gorlitz, who's a German historian, he said, we lost the war in Kiev when we hosted this, uh, that's funny, my, my iPad autocorrected this to hosted this pasta. <laughs> <laughs> what it should say is, we lost the war in Kiev when we hoisted the swastika instead of the Ukrainian flag. <laughs> Essentially what they're saying is just like, would they could have come in and been liberators and mm-hmm. given the country back to the people. They could have won Russia. Like yeah. they could have been like, oh shit, look, like these guys are just giving the shit back to us. Instead, they came in and were like, oh hey, now we're Nazis, we're running this shit, and now we're welcome to here comes the SS. They're gonna start killing off your people. Welcome to Germany, yeah. bitch. It's gonna get a lot worse. And that, like you said, just it it made the patriotic war and and Stalin jumped in on that and took uh you know propaganda to the max and was like hey let's fight for the country motherland support the motherland fight against these invaders 
their whole goal was to conquer the Soviet Union and repopulate it. Like, we're coming in to take this over and repopulate it with German people. Yeah, okay? you can't have the, you got to have the master race in there. And so the, is that is that Hitler's ultimate goal is to like kill off everybody that's not German? It's not necessarily killing them off. It's enslaving them for the German people. The whole concept was known as Lebensraum. So basically, it's territorial expansion of German-controlled land. And everything we take over, we're going to settle and make German. You're, we're going to obliterate your culture, and we're going to institute ours. Hmm. And everybody who is seen as lesser is going to be removed or used as slave labor. Yeah, what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, we could just be sitting here eating sauerkraut and sausages every meal mm, of the day. I mean, I'm just saying I did say how I bought a big thing of sauerkraut. That's true. Day, and yeah. I've been eating it. It's delicious. So there's worse things you could be stuck eating. <laughs> I do like schnitzel and sauerkraut and sausages and stuff. I mean, that stuff's pretty good. Mm. Not that we're in favor of, you know, the that persecution just... of don't don't even say don't don't even say go down that road i'm just saying there's worse food you could get stuck eating the rest of your life so for operation barbarossa i mean initially super successful the germans launched this massive invasion of the soviet union and they fucking crush soviet forces the blitzkrieg was fucking dirty it was it was awesome Mm -hmm. and the whole concept like all right for those of you who don't know what the blitzkrieg is a quick rundown Basically, Blitzkrieg is German for lightning war. And the whole concept behind Blitzkrieg was strike as quickly and fast as possible into a foreign country and take as much territory as possible. So Blitzkrieg was broken up into basically three key parts. Part one was the German Luftwaffe, the Air Force, bombing the shit out of a target. So like if we're trying to take a specific city, we would bomb the hell out of it. And right behind the air raid comes the tanks. So the tanks push quickly and fast into a country, and they they disregard a bunch of nominal, unimportant stuff, and they try to take key points. Bridges, river crossings, main transit stations for trains. We're trying to push as fast as we can to take the most important stuff. And the panzers are backed up by infantry. The infantry is right behind them, and they sweep in and actually control territory. And it was highly effective. Yeah, the front's just constantly changing. Soldiers are confused as hell. They don't know mm-hmm. what's going on. And the, the, so, the, the Soviets, they were completely caught off guard. And the Germans, their, their big move in the Eastern Front was encirclement. So we push as quickly as possible to literally encircle Soviet forces, cut them off. Kind of do like a pincer. Exactly. The, yeah. Yeah, pincer move, cut them off, and then they have all these huge chunks of Soviet soldiers getting, you know, caught and turned into POWs, like 100,000, 200,000, 80,000, 309,000 men in like in a day surrendering to the, to the German army. So the big failures of the, of the operation, it was never focused enough. Okay, you have the Germans never failing to identify a key main effort for their forces. And that lack of focus meant the Germans, they defeated huge numbers of Soviet forces. They took massive areas of territory, but they failed to accomplish anything strategically decisive. Yeah, sort of their, their macro play was solid. Their micro play could use a little tuning. Exactly. And that's one of the things that people say about the German military. They were so good at large-scale you know, tactics. But when it came down to house-to-house fighting in Stalingrad, they fucked up. It didn't go well. 
So you have three army groups that were taking part in Barbarossa. Army Group North, Army Group Center, and Army Group South. North, their whole thing was pushing towards Leningrad, the old Soviet capital, capturing it. Didn't go well. Army Group Center, which was made up of most of the German soldiers, they were supposed to push through Minsk, Smolensk, and take Moscow. And the Germans thought if we take Moscow, that's game over. You know, that'll be it. Army Group South, their job, move into the southern part of the Soviet Union, push towards the Caucasus, get that tasty, tasty oil. That's where all the oil was. So the Caucasus are closer to a Middle Eastern landscape than anything you would think of for, like, traditional Europe. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And the Caucasus is that region between the the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea. There's a hilarious uh, group of pictures of uh, German soldiers trying to ride camels. Seriously? (laughs) Yeah, and they're really, they're quite comical. Probably pretty hard to ride a camel. I mean, you're supposed yeah. to sit on the hump, in front of the hump, behind the sit, hump. I think you 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 kind of straddle them. You embrace the hump. You just kind of yeah. You know, it's kind of like hump. having a lazy boy. You lean back on one, and you you get the other one in front oh, of you. They got two humps. Yeah, double hump. Double hump. I see. Stores the water. Never been on a camel, so I don't know. Well, could probably have seen a picture of one and put that. <laughs> yeah, there's no single hump camels or like different I models. Don't, I don't think so. There's like Panzer one, Panzer two. There's a one hump, two hump camels. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I'm not a camel, camel expert, so maybe there is. Maybe there's multiple. Yeah, maybe camels. you're the asshole. Like yeah, that. maybe I am. If you're out there listening and you know the difference between camel breeds, mm-hmm. hit us up. Because yeah. I don't know if there's different types of camel breeds. No, it's possible. It's not something I'm going to spend the time to Google either. Yeah, like horses. There's a whole there. bunch of different kinds of horses. Yeah, yeah, but they're all they all have four legs and a back. And I mean, they're all <laughs> built rather and similarly. A big old dick. Big big wedge. Backed but, on a horse, yeah. But does like a mini horse and a, like mini horse and like a thoroughbred racing horse are technically the same species, but they could not be any different. Is that like a dwarf? Like, is it like, same, a dwarf like a human dwarf? Like they'd be in the same. Horses? They're not the same species, right? I mean, they're both the same, horses, right? Yeah, but like like humans and chimps are the same. I'm thinking more the line lines of like Chihuahuas and Great Danes are both dogs. Yeah. I don't know. I forget what were the layers. A chihuahua of technically couldn't genus? a chihuahua fuck a yeah, great dane and species. make another dog. Could Isn't a, that possible? Genome. Could a chihuahua and a great dane have sex and then like could they make create a, dog? a great chihuahua? You gotta think the chihuahua would have to breed the great dane in that situation, right? Right. You'd probably have to have a ladder or somebody holding it. But like, legs. That's everywhere. completely possible, though, right? Since they're both dogs. I would assume. I think it'd have to be like an insemination thing. Like, but like have a to... mini horse could fuck a big horse, and they could have like baby horses. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's off the math works out. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think you could, you could hard. artificially inseminate a large horse with a mini horse, or vice versa. But right. I don't know. You could actually get them to breed. Oh, man, what would that do to a mini horse if you? Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't it have up the... like a real horse baby. Yeah, you can't Whoa, have a great. For the Dane. birth wouldn't go well. <laughs> Yeah, you would want to have the ki- the bigger species be the carrier well, I mean, a, of the a, new baby. Isn't a donkey or a mule is half donkey, half horse, right? Yeah, but those are like you know medium large, whatever, not dude. Double XL, <laughs> extra small. Yeah, yeah that's it's fair. not. It's not Shaq trying to fuck a midget. Might have cut that. Shaq could technically fuck a midget and get a midget pregnant. That yeah, could I'm, happen. I'm mad that lines up a little bit more. Also, also a a uh, a small person, we'll call it, not a midget. <laughs> 
a small person. No, it's little person. Made, I don't think person. you can even say <laughs> yeah, small person. Asshole, yes, a small person. A person. That's like a that's like a a genetic um coincidence that creates that. Not like not creates, like small midgets. Little people are not but a different question about mini horses. Is a mini horse a genetic a like midget horse? Yeah, is it a midget horse? No, 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 no. It's Excuse just me. a different little, species. Is it a little person horse? Sorry. So somebody found <laughs> somebody found that species in the wild. There was like a crew of them. You know, uh-huh. there's a whole like flock of them. You know, you get like you get little people breeding, and sometimes they make big people <laughs> breeding. Right? I'm well, asshole for saying midget. You're talking about midget breeding. Well, I'm just here. saying you could get them. They could have children, and they could be big people. Right, that's true. I mean, midgets well, can't have no, big people. Uh, they can't. Big world, they got a normal size yeah, yeah, they got a normal sized kid. But the, like, right. the, isn't his twin brother a midget? That's yeah, true. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm not saying you don't have a higher like, percentage. You think the little of, midget brother would like want to kind of oh, kill his older brother? God, like, man, this that dude's gotta be pissed as fuck. Yeah, because Lord knows he's not he's not marrying a normal sized person. Right? No, probably not. Well, maybe. I mean, who knows? He's probably got a lot of money. That's true. He's on a TV show. Oh, by the way, I know this is random. There's a movie that we have to watch that's based around the concept that we're talking about. Oh, is about. this the one with Michael McConaughey? Yeah. Matthew, Matthew McConaughey. Tiptoes? Yeah. Have you heard and about that movie? It's got what's his face? Tyrion Lannister. Gary, Gary, Gary no. Buse. Not Gary Buse. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Plays a midget. Have really? you ever heard of this Gary movie? Gary Oldman plays... Gary Oldman... <laughs> they do some CGI work. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. It was his face. Late uh, 90s, early 2000s. Oh, what was that guy's Matthew name? Matthew McConaughey is a regular-sized person who meets a woman, falls in love, and is getting married. But he's scared to like have a kid with her, or she gets pregnant, because his family are all midgets. His family, are his all family are all midgets. He's the only normal size one. He's scared. How do you think that movie would go over if you tried to make that today? Oh, not happening. It did not go over well when it was made. <laughs> Tosh Point <laughs> did a rip on it. Like when we were in college, I remember huh. watching his like. He gave like the two minute uh, breakdown, and but he, it's like an hour long. Mm-hmm breakdown of it and then he wraps it up he like fast forwards it for two minutes and it looked really rough it looks uh, awesome but yes we should definitely watch it gary oldman plays a midget in it gary oldman great actor who is uh uh Sirius commissioner black. gordon from commissioner yeah, commissioner oh yeah he, i forgot he's serious black yeah. yeah yep all right well that was that was we'll probably cut that out feel <laughs> you know maybe there's value in those cut maybe out, something's people, in there maybe somebody cut will find out my that comical. rant send it to layman on edited. yeah yeah, yeah we'll, we'll make a, a director's cut so by the end of 1941, the Germans really haven't achieved anything they wanted to with regards to their invasion of the Soviet Union. They've taken a ton of land, they've killed a bunch of Soviet troops, but they haven't made it to Moscow. They control this huge extending front from the Caucasus all the way to the Baltic Sea in the north. Huge territory, but they haven't really done anything. So beginning in the spring and summer of 1942, they're going to launch a new battle plan in the south. And this is where you see Operation Blue come into effect. The Army Group South is broken into two parts, Army Group A and Army Group B. Their big plan is to try to push into the Caucasus and seize the Soviet oil fields. But unfortunately, because Hitler's a dickhead, this whole plan goes off the rails pretty quick. And it all has to do with Stalingrad. So here we are. Finally gotten to the battle itself. Sort of. Sort of, yeah. We've got into the 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 lead up to the actual battle here. So they needed, like, the German forces needed resources, right? Yes. They'd just gone through the Russian, the first Russian winter that they were going to experience. Didn't go hot. Didn't go hot. They needed some refueling. 
needed resources, so they eyed up the Coxes, started heading south, like you're saying. And on their way south to get that oil, they saw the city of Stalingrad, and it began that contemplation of we should take the city because it's got the name of the ruler of Russia, mm -hmm. and it became this huge psych for for Germany. It became a huge psychological win for them to take the city. Yeah, and plus they kind of played it up uh, propaganda-wise to their folks, like, hey, we're going to go in here. We're going to take gonna... Stalin's hometown, his Name. chosen hometown. Namesake, and it did yeah. have a lot of importance to yeah. him. Like, oh, it was absolutely. a huge psychological thing for him and for, for, sure. for mm -hmm. Germany. So they, and also it did have, I mean, it did have some resources. Like, it, I mean, And it's in a great, I mean, it's on the river. And, its position on the Volga River, it was huge for moving materials and trade goods from the southern part of the country to the north. So taking it made strategic sense. Mm -hmm. They were also trying to, by taking Stalingrad and the Volga, they were trying to cut communications between the southern part of the country and the center where mm -hmm. Moscow's at. So if the Soviets don't know what's going on, we have a better chance of actually winning this thing. And it sort of isolates the rest of the Soviet Union in the north. Yeah, exactly. That's awful, yeah. I think the city itself... Uh... You said it's a uh, it's very comparable to like St. Louis in mm -hmm. the United States because it yeah. sits on both sides. It sits on both sides. Like it's a major hub with the Missouri River in St. Louis. It's a industrial city, mm -hmm. and I mean it. It sees a lot of foot traffic for this part of the country, particularly. And in terms of size, Stalingrad and St. Louis would be comparable mm -hmm. with each other. Yeah, I think it looks a little bit more like us, Giliath, from Lord of the Rings. That's very fair. But mm -hmm. uh, it's also a good connection. Yeah, St. Louis. We'll go with that. You'll hear about Pelennor Fields at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After this first one, we're going to go to more of a, a fictional take so we can be less, uh, we have to do less research. And we yes. can drink more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to hit on the, uh, the major players on both sides of this thing? Yeah, so uh, at Germany, you obviously have Hitler. Um, and his number one... Or not his number one, but the guy leading the attack on Stalingrad was Paulus, and he was promoted by I don't remember the his von, like he died. his like mentors. Yeah. Uh, his mentor essentially got him promoted into this yeah. position. I he, think we could call him the Jared Kushner of uh, the German yeah, army. Yeah, I think yeah. that's very fair. You so, say very nepotism placement. Oh, his mentor was the leader of Army Group South, so he takes this dude who's like his patron, Friedrich Paulus, and says. Hey, bro, you know how you've never led, like, major German forces? You're in charge of the 6th Army now. Good luck. And the 6th Army was then tasked with taking Stalingrad. Taking Stalingrad. And as soon as he's promoted, his uh, patron dies. Yeah, so now he's in there. He's got the job, but now he's got to actually give some results. He's got to produce. And he was essentially a yes-man uh, who just... I mean, that was that was the main problem with Hitler at the time, too, was that he surrounded himself with yes men. Mm -hmm. He didn't like being told no, so he would just surround himself with people who would tell him yes, even if they were wrong. Yeah. So, so Paulus was described as being really gifted and militarily brilliant, but the problem was his commanders had doubts about his decisiveness, his toughness, and his lack of command experience. And I think putting a dude like that in charge of such a clusterfuck of a battle... The dude really didn't have the ability to think for himself and make his own decisions. He defaulted to Berlin at every fucking turn. And that comes very obvious later, like mm -hmm. the way it pans out, which we'll cover mm -hmm. later. But yeah, he can't think for the greater good. I think it also costs him valuable time several times where he yes. doesn't make calls when he should have. Should have surrendered way earlier. Yeah. But you were a pussy and you didn't do it. Mm -hmm. On the opposing force, you have Stalin, obviously leading the 
Russian army. God, what a crazy fuck. And you got Zhukov, who was uh, also kind of leading the defense of Stalingrad along with other places like Moscow and Leningrad. Um, but Chuikov was in charge of at first the 64th army and he kind of did the fighting out on the steppe mm-hmm. against the German forces yeah. and he saw the Blitzkrieg in, in effect and he kind of learned the Blitzkrieg tactics and that kind of helped him later on when, it, with, when he was tasked with the defense of Stalingrad. Yeah. So he took over the 67, 62nd army to defend Stalingrad which was a hell of a uh, one of those things where it's like, oh, I feel really good that you trust me with this, but also like, fuck, what a yeah. what an undertaking. He seemed like a, I don't know, like if you if you look at him in terms of like if they were coaches, you know, Powell is one of those like <clears throat> unfeeling analytics guys who's all about the numbers mm-hmm. and the strategy, and I'm back here, don't talk to me. Chukov seems like more of a player's coach. Yeah. He was a, he was a soldier's commander in basketball they always say i don't know probably in football too they always say you have game coaches and you have like practice coaches exactly. you know the guys the guys that get you ready and the guy you want like in charge in the mm-hmm. game that's a very so. good point and like the thing with chuikov he represents a new breed of soviet commander these were dudes that survived the onslaught of the blitzkrieg in 41 and they got their fucking asses handed to them and because of that, it really shaped them and changed them. Because the dudes who survived 41, they learned from their mistakes. Because if they didn't learn, one of three things happened to them. They were dead, they'd already been captured, or Stalin had them arrested and they were fucking executed. Or sent to Siberia. So the dudes who survived 41, they learned from those mistakes and they took all those lessons and applied them in 42 when the Soviet, or excuse me, when the Germans pushed south. Here's a dark question. Given the choice, you go to Siberia and take your chances or just say, hey, just ice me? I honestly think I ice me. I don't know. I don't know if I want to go and war, like break rocks go sit 20 hours a day. Yeah. I don't know. Like I feel like it's I almost think it's worse. Me. I almost think it's worse to have to go live in. Yeah, Siberia. Yeah, put a bullet think, in my yep. head and let's let's yep. be done with this. Put me down. I agree. I agree. I mean, the honestly, the bullet to the to the pretty face is it's a yeah. quick end. Yeah, it does, it's not going to last long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, one of the big changes that Stalin made in '42 after the the initial German assault, he made the opposite decision that Hitler did. He was more hands off. And actually trying to micromanage his commanders on the ground. Yeah, and that was a huge problem for for Germany. Right? Oh, God. Hitler trying to micromanage everything and not actually, and he took over even completely as the military ruler too. And he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. All these things where he's like, he's not even there. He has no idea of what they're even dealing with. And he's in Berlin or wherever he's in, in his bunker, nice and safe, eating good meals, not dealing with the Russian winners making these decisions, no idea of logistics about keeping his troops fed, about keeping the supply lines intact and just making these decisions because they would work well for him in like his methed up mind. Mm-hmm. Just, just eating fillets. Yeah. Banging his poor wife. <laughs> Shaving that mustache down. Is it really the battle of the mustaches? Yeah. Was, I feel like Stalin's I, got the stronger mustache. Oh, it's yeah. not even close. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not even close. But here's the, here's the real question. Is it a stronger mustache, or has Hitler ruined the tiny mustache? Ah, that's fair. It's kind of surprising that Michael Jordan even pulled that off. 
I can't believe he did. It's that. like I didn't even put it together until eventually later oh, on. Like, somebody had to point it out to me. Yeah, you watch that Haynes commercial multiple times and go, yeah. I don't know what the fuck. It's Michael Jordan mustache. What are you talking about? Looks good. I mean, Michael Jordan. <laughs> he's true. The, he's the greatest basketball. What if you had a basketball player out there rocking the Stalin mustache? Mustache though. Oh, I th- I feel like a lot of people go after that. What's the? Uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. This man right here. If he cuts the beard off, you could yeah. have a really yeah. good Stalin mustache. Yeah, I mean, you could, a lot of people can get to the Stalin mustache, I think. I think you should go for you it. You should go for that, yeah. Nah. Give that a shot. Maybe you a Halloween costume. Yeah, Joseph Stalin for Halloween. Carry a shoe around. Yeah. Banging on things a lot. <laughs> what if I went for the Hitler mustache, you know? Probably less cool. If you got the balls Why, to do here, it. Here's a question. Why is the Hitler mustache less acceptable than the Stalin mustache? Um, The Holocaust. Yeah. <laughs> Just because you know more about yeah, the Holocaust? Yeah, probably just lack of information. Yeah. Because if you knew all the dirty deeds of Stalin, it'd yeah, like, probably be I, on the same again, page. Possibly it, equally is, and to be fair, Stalin just kind of had a, a general mustache. Yeah. The Hitler stash is very, it's very definitive. Hitler's crimes and misdeeds have been yelled from the mountaintop since 1945. Yeah. Stalin's misdeeds have only been acknowledged and talked about since the late 80s, early 90s. To be f- yeah, history has been pretty kind to Joseph Stalin, to be honest. It was all under wraps. Mm-hmm. Until the communi- until the communist Soviet Union falls, they just don't fucking talk about yeah. it. And then after the after it happens, they start to acknowledge, oh, he was the fucking worst. <laughs> maybe we don't name a town after him. Yeah, maybe, maybe we, we change it to... Vo- it, it is modern-day Volgograd now, right? Volvo, yes, Volgograd. Yeah. Probably should have said that to begin with, but it has been renamed. After yeah. Stalin died and they got rid of the... Stalin era, they started changing names. Of Quietly things. slept it up, swept it under yeah. the rug. Okay, so to get back to Operation Blue, that happened in the June of in June of 1942, right? Mm-hmm. That was the yes. beginning of the offensive Operation Blue. <clears throat> um, by uh, in July of the 20th of July, Stalin issued Order 227, which is his famous "Not One Step Back" order, and this was kind of a uh, pitch propaganda to motivate the Russian people and troops even more to no longer give up any territory. He's pissed at all the territory Russians have been given up. Um, all the soldiers that have been captured. Yeah, like they've been taking some heavy losses. Like three million soldiers have been killed. Three million troops lost at this point. Maybe not killed, but lost to death or even getting death captured capture, by Germans. Yeah, casualties. So uh, when they know that Stalingrad is under the look of of the German eye, uh, they get this order announced and they get the people of Stalingrad to go out and start digging ditches, anti-tank uh, trenches essentially, start burning fields, start burning homes on like the suburbs of Stalingrad, like the yeah. outsides of Stalingrad to try to slow down the troops as they approach um, and try to, you know, create this, I don't know if this unifies all of the Russian people again against the invaders coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just crazy to me that they were Stalin just puts out the word, uh, get your shovels and your pickaxes and get out there and start digging. Like what's crazy is we have video of it. <clears throat> like there's video taken of the mm-hmm. people of Stalingrad just fucking digging trenches outside the city. It's crazy. Tank traps, like everything. And Can you imagine the like if you like find out, hey, uh, you know your home like they're gonna come in next week and fuck you up like yeah, what's, what what's wild is they took a bunch of like the food stores and stuff out of the city and went ahead and sent them all north but when the people tried to leave they're like ah nah <laughs> yeah, but Stalin nah, was you like, guys are gonna stay you gotta stay help uh, motivate the soldiers to fight harder uh-huh. we need you to be in there I, cause some of the people did get evacuated I'm assuming that it had to be like 
party personnel. You know, yeah, like surely the important people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the mayor of Stalingrad ain't hanging out in Stalingrad. Nah. I don't know if that's a fact or not. Maybe he was forced to stay. At, at the very least, he's probably on the east side of the river. But yeah, I mean, yeah. he made a really good point. Like, them, and they saw it as a huge victory, taking all the food stores and the cattle and moving them out of the city. Mm-hmm. We did it. We got all the food away. Mother Russia saved. Except already, there's not enough food for the people here. Before the German army even even arrives. Mm-hmm. Russia definitely had the view of people are dispensable. Uh, it's a very usable resource to, in Russia. To be fair, the the food component kind of pays them back eventually because the Germans get there or take the city and end up not finding any rations. That's true. That's right. true. And so that that pays uh, ends up paying kind of dividends for them in the end. But yeah, I'm not trying to deviate, but I have a question for y'all. Do you think it's a cultural thing? Like, for the Russian people, they are harder than others because they have suffered and they expect to suffer. Like, because I feel like some of the shit that they go through, the average American, ain't happening. It's not happening. Like, they are just hard, cold, indifferent people. I, I honestly think that just purely the uh, the environment they live in is pretty rough. That's fair. Like the uh, the cold is not something that people deal well with who are not used to dealing with cold. That's fair. Like I, I had never really experienced it here, even though we we went through some cold winters and sure. shit when we were kids living up here. But uh, living in D.C. and seeing people from cultures outside of the United States that are like not diplomats and stuff. Yeah, or uh, like even I worked with I worked with a gal from Puerto Rico who like legitimately <laughs> Never seen if it's like 55 degrees she's got like a full down coat on right like Her life's she just, over yeah like she doesn't go anywhere she's like going to the if they like threaten snow she's like buying water i'm not driving to work tomorrow. right and and we just were like you know it's not that big of a, like All i right. mean it's you're rocking, it. you're rocking it, a t-shirt when it's 50 yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah i'm not putting on pants until it goes below freezing generally <laughs> Like yeah, as you're wearing basketball shorts right now. Yeah, well, it's it's just, it is fair. unseasonably warm right now. It is unseasonably but, warm. But even, I mean, still. just, yeah, you kind of get to the point where, you know, not saying that we're tougher because we're not near with the rush, but they deal with like brutally cold temperatures all the time. And there's right. literally a roughness to that lifestyle. And that does play a big factor in how the Battle of Stalingrad shakes out, honestly. Yeah. I mean, no, the, for sure. the Russian winters have affected invaders you're talking about other invasions even all the way back to like napoleon and shit like mm -hmm. being more cognizant of famine and genocide and large chunks of your population dying like that's one of those things in our country bro we have had it so good in terms of success and keeping our people alive across history i mean fuck dude we lose less than five hundred thousand men during world war ii the Soviets lose millions of people. Like, yep. it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And they still get the get the W. That's crazy. Kind of crazy, yeah. Mm. And, like, we want to act like we're, like, we won, we did it, boo, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> Motherfucker, they are cold, mean people. And when they counterattack and take that fight to the Germans, woo, Ooh. oof. Rough. A lot of rape. Rough. A lot of shit yeah, from, lot the, of, from the butt fucking. A lot of, lot of extrajudicial killings, <laughs> yeah. it turns out. Oh, you're a German? Boom, shot to the mm-hmm. head. Yeah, people don't forget, <laughs> turns out. People yeah. don't forget. So the people of Stalingrad have been defending their city, have been digging their trenches, and we get to August of 1942. 
and uh, they start with bombing of the city. Oh, man. Just massive copper, carpet bombing of Stalingrad. And 600 planes, 1,000 tons of bombs in one day. 1,000 yeah. tons of bombs. Yeah. More than, they, more than the that Germans dropped on Britain during the height of the Blitz. Mm-hmm. And they drop it in a day and a half. Yeah. Destroy. Uh, I think there's 40,000 people died in the initial bombings of the city. And that's including... Civilians, not just soldiers. Civilians weren't evacuated. I mean, they all yeah, just brutal. And right behind the, bo- I mean, it's it's one on one shit for the Germans. It's straight playbook. Yeah, and that Look. started fires. Like the city was on fire for like months because it was a lot of wood construction in there as well. It just to be fair, they could, yeah, yeah, could have used the warmth a little later in the campaign, but <laughs> yeah, just came a little early for them. Yeah, I mean those initial fires that broke out. I want to say. I saw a, like, I saw one of the things that said, I mean, it, it burned the city to cinders. Yeah. Like, and just it, caught in, like you said, you need to talk about that. I mean, the construction of the city, with most of it being modern construction. Yeah, because uh, when it was renamed Stalingrad, they put a, they dumped a bunch of money into infrastructure in the city. So they started building everything with double-layered concrete rebar buildings. Not not all that dissimilar from how they would build, like, large skyscraper buildings today. They still kind of use a similar tactic, but it uh, was not quite as, you know, when they when the Germans bombed London, most of those buildings were still old, like, wooden-framed buildings, yeah, then covered in brick-type stuff, mm-hmm. where they had started more modern construction in, in Stalingrad, so they uh, the buildings were a little more durable. All right, Petey, well, tell us about that first encounter between the Germans and Russians as they moved upon Stalingrad sure. after so, the bombing. Yeah, so after the, uh, after the Germans completely carpet-bombed the piss out of Stalingrad, they quickly moved. I mean, their, their whole objective was to strike into the city fast, wipe out Soviet defenses, and take it over quickly. Like, that's, that's the whole plan. Um, unfortunately, it really starts to break down quickly. And the first Soviet troops that the Germans are going to come into contact with are the 1,077th Anti-Aircraft Regiment on the outskirts of Stalingrad. Those anti-aircraft guns that were, their job was to shoot down so are German planes approaching the city to bomb it. So those anti-aircraft guns were then turned and used on German ground forces as they approached the Ooh, city. That's pretty dirty. Yikes. But the, th- but the thing is, they had zero training in ground and taking on ground targets. Okay, and basically, they this, they the people manning these guns held them to the last. They either were killed or completely overrun by German forces. So thirty-seven different gun emplacements were overrun. And when the Germans finally assaulted and took all these locations, they found out that they had been fighting women the entire time. Mm. Damn. The Soviets had employed female volunteers to run these AA guns, and those women stayed at their post and fought the Germans fucking tooth and nail for every inch of territory until they were overrun or killed. I think there's uh, something I was watching or listening to said there was like a million Soviet women that were in the Red Army yeah. in World War II. Like regulars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like soldiers. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's... It's 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 one of those things where we don't think about it so much in the modern era because women are, I mean, they're in every branch of the military now in the United States. But are women like on the on the? They do not serve in frontline combat. So that's kind of fucked up, isn't I it? I think I I, th- I believe they have to pass. 
they still have to pay like there's physical and to be a frontline combat and like you know frontline combatant you still have to pass certain physical mm-hmm. exams and as long as they can pass the physical component mm-hmm. i think you can be in like i think you get can be in frontline combat right? i want to yeah you can but they just we don't yeah because we don't have to but there's been i want to say two or three women that have passed ranger school yeah women who have passed ranger school which my cousin's husband is in in the united states army and he went to ranger school, and he said it fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. He's actually going back in April to do it again, to try yeah. again. Hmm. He said it's not fun. He got hurt real bad and yeah. had to drop out. Yeah, I think that the average person to get through um, the uh, SEALs, what is the hell week? Buds. Buds. I think it, it takes like two times to get through that, too. Most people don't get through it their first time. Yeah. And I mean, the, the Soviets just choosing to rely, I mean, to to field from the entirety of their population. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things It's like, well, yeah, obviously everybody should fight. Mm. But I mean, even when Germany's invaded in 40, you know, in 45 and they're on the doorstep of shit being done, German women aren't going into the streets to fight. They're sending the fucking kids. Mm, yeah. They're sending children, you know, kids, members of the Hitler youth. They're not sending women. And they, they said when they, when the Germans encountered the Russian women, they were shocked first off. And then like, it just, bolstered their view of like oh these russian slavs are such subhuman people that they even put their women out here like right. it just helped push that propaganda on the german side of like oh look at these russians they're so they're so dirty I mean, they use them yeah exactly mm-hmm. like they're such a lesser than race it's so fucked up uh there's also the um the night witches in this book oh it talks yeah about these, like, they're badass these russian bomber chicks have like, you ever heard of them uh-uh oh, they would fly like these gliders um or what they they would cut the engines and dive on the uh, on German troops and drop bombs, and so it was an all female bomber wing of the Soviet. And Air, they flew. Air Force. They just had gliders. They what they would do is they Pollock would Polikarpov PO two biplanes. Yeah. Oh, so like so they're old old, old ass fucking planes. Yeah. Yeah, but they would they would they fly to high altitude and then cut their engines and dive bomb without the engines on. So they wouldn't know they're coming. All you would hear was the screaming of the bombs coming down. Yeah, they could only carry two 1,000-pound bombs. That's still a goddamn big bomb. Yeah, that's badass. 1,000 pounds. Yeah, approximately. (laughs) (laughs) The Germans, I mean, early success, they they overwhelm Soviet forces. Soviet forces are pushed back into the city proper, and the Germans gain more and more and more territory. Around the same time is when you see the workers' militias being called up and sent into service. And we talked about it a little bit earlier, but this is where, like, the NKVD, like, the, the German commissars, they force staff and students from the local technical university to go out and fight. And the way these these just everyday Russian citizens are fighting is they're slapping tanks together out of leftover pieces at the local mm-hmm. tank factory, and then just rolling them out the door. And just in case you don't know, the NKVD or the commissars, those are the people working for the uh, Russian government as essentially like, not narcs, but just as uh, keeping an eye on the people to make sure they're not talking crap about the government, making sure everyone's in line, and they work with the generals and the different heads of the uh, the military. They would work in simpatico uh so what happens if you get caught talking about the government? You get whacked. They'll execute you. Yeah. They, or they'll they would... send your ass to Siberia. Oh. You'll man. be arrested. 
like basically they're communist, they're party, they're party police. Like their whole job is to uphold the dignity and respect of the people towards the communist party. And I didn't realize how important the, like being invited to the party was like how, uh, how important people in communist Russia viewed that, like depending on how many people you killed, uh, if you killed enough people in combat, you could get an invite to the party. You could apply. It would go on your like application. Congratulations, go, you're yeah. in. Now you could join the communist party. Look, like Vasily Saitsev, like joined the communist party based on how many people he killed. Ends up becoming a manager at like a factory, right. For killing a bunch of people, hmm. it's yeah. a nice cushy job. resume. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! There's another padding. Boom! There's another padding. All right, I did it. And the yeah, like the. They're throwing together these tanks from pieces and junk so much so that they don't have proper paint or even gun sights on the tanks when they're rolling them out the door. And they're sending them straight into battle against German panzer divisions. Hmm. And like you said earlier, go ahead, man. Uh, they're viewing, like they're looking down the barrel of the, the tank to shoot the guns. They had to get them like not point blank range, but damn near close point blank to take out these tanks. It was basically a death sentence. I mean, they yeah. weren't going out and like coming back. It was like a last ditch effort, and they were running the the T thirty fours, which were Russians. Like some some people say, it was like the best it's, tank of yeah, World War Two. Yeah. Yes, like it's it was the, a, the Russian main battle tank is seen as the best tank of World War Two by a lot of people. Yeah, either them or the German Tiger. Right, and uh, the T thirty four during that Age of Tanks on Netflix, they talk about the guy. I don't remember his name, but the guy who created the T thirty four. The whole time he had he had been working on improving the previous Russian tank, which I can't remember the name of it now, and Stalin kept pushing him to just keep making that better, and he kept working on the T thirty four as like a pet project in his in his uh, meantime, and eventually he got a, a working model and he like drove it from wherever he developed it all the way to Moscow to show it to Stalin, and that impressed Stalin, so he like asked him to drive to other places, and he drove to all these other places. And he didn't install a heater inside the tank, so in all these different uh, trips, he developed pneumonia and died. <laughs> but it did prove how badass the tank was because the tank survived. Tank and worked fine. Yeah, yeah. that became Human the main operating. tank. Yeah, turns <laughs> out you need a heater or a bigger coat, I guess. But uh, so that made the T thirty four the main the main tank of of Russia there. And I mean, it's 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 crazy to me how the Soviets utilized their tanks inside the city. Because they couldn't necessarily match the Germans in numbers in terms of tanks that they brought to bear. And their whole plan wasn't to roll their tanks straight out into the open and fight the Germans. Instead, what the Soviets did is they literally dug in in choke points and on major thoroughfares and streets. So they dug into the rubble and would bury the tanks and use it as an artillery piece. Hmm. to on the spot where they knew German tanks and German uh, support vehicles would cross and the Soviets, they were so good at camouflaging the tanks that more often than not, they got the first shot. And while their tank crews themselves may not have been as skilled or as trained or experienced as the Germans, basically by utilizing the terrain and their knowledge of the city, it basically gave them even odds against the Germans. And often they came out on top because of that advantage. And that was the um, the Luftwaffe bombing the city seemed like such a, it was their standard German approach to their attack, but it really, I don't know that it favored the, the Russians, but it helped by destroying a lot of the city. It made it hard for the, the German tanks and motorized 
mechanized vehicles to move through the city. Mm-hmm. So now they had to move through certain areas, and the the German the Russians could create choke points. At least they knew exactly mm-hmm. where they were going to be coming through, so they could set up their tanks like that. They could set up their fortress buildings to kind of uh, they'd occupy these blown out buildings. And they would have three lines of view of where the the German forces would be approaching from, and they could just start destroying them. I mean, yeah, as long as they have enough supplies, they could hold these places indefinitely. And it's just crazy to think about. It's not like these were huge, you know, military buildings. It's fucking department stores, right? And you know, nope. just apartment blocks. And like you were pointing out earlier, talking about you know the concrete situation. That's a huge factor in this whole thing. Yeah, the baseline structures didn't really fall. They didn't collapse. You know, it would take chunks out of the buildings, but the you know, the baseline structure remained a lot of times. And that's what, um, so Chuikov was leading the Russian troops, and he had seen the, the Blitzkrieg on the steppe, and he knew that to render the, uh, the Blitzkrieg tactics of bombing and using the tanks, they had to get as close as possible to the, to the actual German troops. So they enforced the hugging the enemy tactic, and uh, they would, just get as close as possible. They had their urban warfare of door to door right next, sometimes in the same building, uh, fighting each other. Just, it became a a dirty war. Um, what's the rat war expression? Rat Rat and Creek. Yes. The rat and Creek. I mean, it's, you're trying to take away the main advantage that your enemy has. And for the Germans, it's their complete and total superiority in the air. Like the, the Soviet air force tried to counterattack on multiple different occasions their planes and their pilots were just woefully fucking out. Yeah, they got destroyed at first. Yeah, like they had no, dirty. They could not fight that bombing at it. all. At Couldn't all. Couldn't do it. And Stalingrad really represents the last time that like the German Stuka dive bomber really like was seen as one of the greatest planes of the entire era because they could use it for pinpoint, you know, air superiority because they could hit and take out Soviet targets with pinpoint accuracy. Like more tanks for the Soviets were taken out by dive bombing than any other means. So that, hmm. that goes right into your hugging the enemy, you know, tactic is we're going to make it so you can't use right. air superiority. Cause they're not going to drop it on their own troops yeah, for their own it. tanks. Um, and that, that allowed the, the Russians to blow up the German tanks with like mm-hmm. anti-tank guns and Molotov cocktails. Um, that's, yeah. that's one of those things like everybody knows what a Molotov cocktail yeah. is, uh-huh. but they don't know that it like, it literally comes from Stalingrad. Like it was yeah. effectively invented here. Hmm. And the whole time uh, Russian, Russia is having to like send troops back in across the, the Volga river. Like mm-hmm. they have to send them in across on boats. Like it's the only way. Yeah. <laughs> like what a, it's a, you know, Germany can drive more troops in. They have a supply route in at this point still, but Russia has to send them across on boats. They have to deal with Germany planes. has control of the airfields too. Around mm-hmm. Right. So yep. They can actually fly troops in yeah. as well. And the Soviets are dragging barges, some, a lot of them un, you know, mm-hmm. undefended open barges being dragged by tugboat with men just on them. Not a fast, not a fast no, process. No, no Tugboats aren't known for their speed. Like, I mean, that's, no. like, we've talked about enemy at the gates. That's the opening scene is them like entering these, these boats and traveling across the Volga while they're being dive bombed by the Luftwaffe. Mm-hmm. And it seems fucking terrifying. So bad. So another part is this is the, uh, the German use of the shock troops, which is just, uh, it's part of the hugging their enemy as well, but just getting, getting troops in close and uh, using a lot of infantry and field artillery, um, getting in there to break the German defensive positions. And then uh, 
they'd have a lot of anti-tank units and um it was all about that close quarters combat yeah small small units like eight to ten men this is really where it comes like the big difference between the two forces comes into effect because like the germans their strength lies in operational maneuver warfare we are big picture large-scale maneuvering armies where like the blitzkrieg is tens of thousands of men to effectively, you know, carry that kind of tactic out. And that's what the Germans are fucking good at. But when it gets into the fighting in the urban atmosphere in Stalingrad, it comes down to hand-to-hand, door-to-door, building-to-building combat. And when it comes down to that, it's the individual wherewithal and, you know, metal of the man. Yeah, like the will to just yeah. survive and fucking make it through the day. Welcome to the fucking Russian winter bitch. Yeah. You haven't eaten in two days and we right. are, we're on the floor above you in this building and we're about to tack down the stairs. Yeah, you can hear a shit talking you. I'm going to pee on these floorboards. <laughs> and like those shock, those shock troop units, the Soviets, they made the decision to loosen the amount of like administrative control that the military was having over individual commanders. So instead, you know, Soviet forces of 50 to 100 men can move throughout Stalingrad, particularly at night, and just fucking wreak havoc on German lines. You know, and their their two main weapons were the submachine gun and hand grenades. And just getting in real close and just icing people. And that, that was a big thing of the battle. Was like submachine guns, grenades, and sniper rifles yeah. in Stalingrad. Like, yep. all the destruction created great places to hide behind for snipers. They had to get close to the fast-shooting submachine guns. Uh, the MP40 for the Germans and the PPSH for the the Russians, nicknamed the Daddy, which is a fun. That's fun. A the fun daddy. name. You about to you about to feel some Daddy in you. <laughs> <laughs> I just it's submachine guns aren't something that really exist before this before World War Two, mm. and urban con combat shows a perfect application of the concept. You know. Everybody knows about the main battle rifles that most of the major players in this thing are going to use, but man, some machine guns are badass. Like Especially if you're just trying to clear a room, you're yeah. running into a room and you know, you're know you in this room over here, now you're coming in, you need something quick and dirty. You just don't have to be swinging across the entire room. Slinging dick all over yep. the place. <laughs> and going for accuracy or cleanness. It's not what we're trying to do here. And, you know, sniping changes the name of the game when it comes to combat in in this battle because of the densely packed nature of the city and urban combat that everybody's taking part in it was a fucking sniper's delight sniper's delight (laughs) (laughs) i mean it'd be pretty pretty i mean i don't know the reality of sniping would not be fun because it's terrifying it's downright terrifying you're like oh stay awake and like look and look for somebody up once there's another sniper that's gonna yeah. yeah exactly sniper battles isn't fun. It'd be fun to be like the sniper who's looking for like just your standard. Yeah, we all soldier. remember the Saving Private Ryan scene where the get, the guy's yeah. in the clock tower and he gets just blown away by the tank yeah. too. He's like, "Well, I'm kind of stuck right here." Yeah, you know, he didn't have you don't always have a lot around you. Gosh, man, what a cool shot! Accurate too. Actually, happened. Really? No, nah, not in World War II. It happened in Vietnam. The that scene from Saving Private Ryan is based on an actual event from Vietnam. Wait, huh. The scene where they, where he kills uh, Fast and Furious, yeah, Vin Diesel, yeah, like where uh, God, what's that? Uh, Barry Pepper, 
Yeah, hell oh, of a name, Barry Pepper. Barry Pepper, where Barry Pepper sniper shoots that German sniper through the scope, is based on an event from uh, Carlos Hatchcock in Vietnam. He shot a North Vietnamese sniper through the fucking scope. Hmm. Like this dude Hatchcock and this NVA sniper uh, dueled each other for two days. Damn crawling on their bellies around like this huge area so like i'd crawl out he'd crawl and he'd end up in the spot where i was at and i'd end up in the spot where he had been just slowly crawling each other until hatchcock saw the glint off his sniper scope and fucking shot him through it Oof! i mean that's what you're aiming for that's That's the one thing you can Uh see well that's a great transition to vasily Saitsev. that's right or however you say his last name yeah you nailed it man Saitsev. Saitsev. uh yeah, he was the big Russian hero, right? The... He's uh, Vasily Zaitsev is a Soviet hillbilly. <laughs> he's a so he's a Soviet uh, citizen from the Ural Mountains, from like the steppes. He's like, I mean, as close to like a he's like a Soviet Mongol. Like they're they just live out in the middle of nowhere in a really hard, tough existence and fucking hunting for mm-hmm. food. It's not a pastime. It's vital to your survival. If you hmm. don't kill. With one shot, you don't eat, per se. So what is the background on him actually ending up at Stalingrad, then? I mean, he's just, he's is drafted he, into the Soviet military and, he and just something. just rolls with it? Yep. I mean, like, a, fuck it. Didn't have a lot of choices in <laughs> communist Russia. He yeah. just kind of like... <laughs> he wasn't just did. like, nah, it sounds fun. I was going to be a doctor. Yeah, I, I, think I'll, I think I'll pass. I had some goals. He's a simple man with simple dreams. Like Cousin Eddie. Russian Cousin Eddie. <laughs> Russian Cousin Eddie. <laughs> I mean, he's sent to Stalingrad, and he's like, he's a perfect example of Soviet snipers in this battle. Like, it's not like the Soviet military fielded a bunch of people, trained them, and then, you know, sent them out to snipe. Mm-hmm. It started out as soldiers getting so angry and fed up with the situation where they're bogged down, there's no food. There's no help. My fucking friends are getting killed. I want to strike back, and I don't feel like I can do anything. This is my way to, you know, exact my revenge on the Germans. So they started out with them using just bolt-action Moisen Nagat rifle with no no scope. Okay. And, like, they eventually get their hands on some very minimally powered scopes, and then eventually the Soviet military embraces this and basically turns them loose. Like, the early Soviet snipers were guys who said, I'm going to go out and hunt, so leave me alone. Uh-huh. And that, that's it. And Zaitsev's one of those dudes. He was a really good shot. He'd been hunting since he was a child. And he said, hey, I'm going to crawl out into this rubble and stay out there for two days. I'll be back. Hmm. And then Moisen Nagat was like what we were saying earlier. German, uh, Russia just produced a lot of really durable, really cheap it's a piece of shit rifle. Yeah, but you can make a shit ton of them, and they're <laughs> yeah. gonna last. And they're not pretty. They're so, heavy, but they. So what made it appear? Because it was heavy. It's not. It's 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 an it's not a super accurate rifle. Like hmm. the the German Mauser, infinitely more accurate rifle than hmm. the Moisen Nagant. Because they mass produced so many of them, there wasn't a lot of like quality control. Yeah, pretty much. It's not like a fine tuned piece of machinery. Like a, a Mauser today, like a German Mauser from World mm-hmm. War II, thousands of dollars. You get a fucking Moisen a guy for 300 bucks. <laughs> Literally. We go, to, we go to Cabela's today and buy a Moisen a guy for 320 bucks. Really? Yep. I'm, it's probably not going to be World War II vintage, but it's going to be like post-war. They made so many of them. Huh. huh. 
But it was effective. It'll get yeah. the job done. That's for damn sure. Mm-hmm. They used like a standard 3.5 power scope. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, if you think about it, that's not a super powerful optic. Like, no, no. At all. Five round clips. But to be fair, they weren't. I don't think they were shooting from extreme distances. Mm-mm, like no. they were pretty close, I'd even say, though they were sniper. It wasn't like they were hitting 500 yard no, shots. Oh, man. I'd say most of these shots. What do you think? 50, 60, 70, 100 yeah, yards. I'd say it's got to be inside 200 yeah. yards, right? 200. Thousand two fifty buck fit whatever five thousand yards somewhere yeah. in there somewhere half in that range. <laughs> I heard Brazil Zadsev shot a guy blew his dick off half. <laughs> so blew his dick right off. The big question with him is the obvious representation of him as an enemy at the gates, right? Which you get is a great film. Jude Law. Jude, Jude Law is playing a Soviet Russian yeah. sniper. Mm-hmm. Probably burned Russia a little bit, like a <laughs> British actor. Fuck this guy. Fuck that yeah. guy. And uh, so he has his face off with uh, with Ed Harris, who's portrayed portraying Erwin uh, Koenig, which we had Colonel to look up that Irwin name because I don't yeah. didn't even remember that. So is he? That's not a real person. So we don't know. I don't know. In the movie and in the story, Zaitsev tells the story in his memoirs that basically a captured German soldier told, like Zaitsev captured a guy and was told by this because Zaitsev was fucking famous during the battle. Like mm-hmm. the Soviet Union, Soviet propaganda machine, they were churning out every story about every hero from the battle that they could. Yeah, because they had to keep people motivated. Yeah, so the I Germans knew who Zaitsev was, and they, like the Soviets, they kept a tally of every fucking person he killed and would print that shit and just drop probably, leaflets on the city. Probably bumped the numbers a little bit, oh, too, yeah. you know? Yeah, you know. I mean, Make in times of war. Not, yeah. I mean, he has 250 confirmed kills, like plus, 250 yeah. plus, but I mean, that's confirmed. Yeah. In 1942. So he captured somebody and he said that they told him that somebody named Erwin Koenig. His story is that they captured a POW and the POW said that we've got a guy coming for you. There's got, we've got a, we've got a man coming to take you out. But the name Erwin Koenig completely made up. There is no evidence that the person existed. And like. Yeah, I think it's in like, it's in Zaitsev's uh, memoirs. That's like the only place where there's actually. I mean, Evidence it's not a common that. name to make up, to be fair. Okay, so according to, uh, we'll say the interwebs. We don't say Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> but it's Wikipedia. Uh, Koenig is, uh, Koning is Dutch for king. And so it's like a, see the sniper king. But, the sniper king? Uh, according to Zaitsev's records, he was... Uh, Identified as the head of the sniper school in Berlin by documents that somehow were taken from his body. Mm. Um, this oh, is, so he just had a business card? Yeah. Sniper school president. So this is not confirmed by by German records. Um, this is also uh, what Zaitsev uh, re- uh, referred to uh, Koenig. He referred to Koenig's daughter and this German prisoner of war who told Zaitsev about Koenig, Mm -hmm. none of these people have been actually identified by anybody in Germany. Bullshit. So it's like, like, oh, all these people happen. Sounds a lot like bullshit. Yeah, it sounds like bullshit. It sounds like Russian propaganda to help support the war. It was November 1942. I was in the Stalingrad basement drinking piss water (laughs) when I got word that the German sniper had come. 
old Ed, Ed Harris. <laughs> I heard he looked very similar to Ed Harris, a man who hadn't been born yet. It would become a very famous American actor. He was uh, here is to he really? He's <laughs> here to shoot Hellboy I, right I, through the face. I'm sorry. He was Ed, say, Ed he was Harris, I wouldn't consider him a very famous American actor. <laughs> hey, man, don't talk smack about Ed Harris. He's I don't know who he is. So you know who don't Ed know Harris is. is. He's coach don't have a goddamn football clue. team with Cuba Gooding Jr. Cuba Gooding Jr. As his, radio? As his, as his, never ne- never as seen his mentally handicapped the water rock. Boy. The Rock. I know who The Rock is. Yeah. No, Welcome no, no, to not, The Rock. Not Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, about the place uh, The Rock. rock. Oh, Nicholas about Cage. Uh, rock. Cage. Yeah, Alcatraz. Alcatraz. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen guy. it. Bad guy. You've never seen that? No, I've seen it. Oh, my God. I've seen Escape from Alcatraz with. Who's in that? Is it? Uh, Clint Eastwood, isn't it? Yeah, Clint Eastwood's in it. Yeah. So you've seen that fucking yeah, movie, but you've movies. never seen. You tell the me, Rock. you don't. You don't know who Ed Harris is. You know, is. you. I right. may, I'm sure I will probably. You know who Ed him. Harris is. He's like the most you recognizable like the National face. Treasure movies. He's, yeah, he's a National Treasure. National Treasure. Treasure. No, nope, never seen those what either. What the fuck, dude? What nope. are you doing? I don't watch a lot of. Don't spend a lot of time watching films. Well, guys, we wanted to get a little further along, but it turns out Stalingrad isn't just one battle. It's months of offensives, counteroffensives, and so on. And it's going to take more than one episode to do it proper justice. We tried to do our best so far with this one, and I, I think we accomplished what we came here to do. Like, like we said, I mean, choosing this as our first, you know, task here, it's, it's a lot. It is quite an undertaking, yeah. You know, since... Amac threw this one out there in the beginning as the first battle we should talk about. We got super excited and behind it because it's a really compelling topic, but it is not a battle, like you said. It's yep. way more than that, and there's way more ramifications involved. So when we get back in episode two, we're going to be talking about a few key aspects of the initial German offensive inside the city, and we're going to follow that up by getting to the cold depths of winter when shit gets real. And frozen. Yeah. <laughs> From there, we'll talk about the Russian counteroffensive, which is aptly named Operation Uranus. Why do you suppose they picked Uranus? There's uh, so many other planets. At that time, there was eight other planets they could have chose from. <laughs> maybe they'd Pluto already had. Maybe planet. they already had seven other operations. That's true. That's... And they were just on number eight here. I suppose we are deep into the war at this point. Mm-hmm. And what maybe about... Uranus means nothing in German. It's possible. I will have to Google that. Figure out what Uranus means in German. Operation Mars, because, you know, Mars is the god of war. Maybe See, that a seems a name. little better. Mm-hmm. Maybe better. Or maybe they just said, fuck it, let's make it Operation Uranus. We're going to yeah. shove it right up their butts. They handed it off to Sergey. What's the name of this operation? <laughs> Who gives a fuck? Name it. No. We got to Oper- do it. People are dying. Oh, oh. <laughs> I see we name it Uranus, guys. <laughs> this is my moment. This is my moment <laughs> to put my mark on history. Everybody will remember me. Maybe they named it Uranus because everything was going to go to shit. Yeah. And uh, up to the elbow. Yep. <laughs> well thanks for listening committing an hour and a half of your lives we hope it was worth it I think it was I mean even if it wasn't don't tell people that just tell them that you liked it yeah and you're never getting that hour and a half back anyway so <laughs> until next time please use your turn signals keep your head down and don't get got and tune in for part two <laughs> <laughs>